I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the Drive to Work at Home Edition. So I'm here with Barry Reich, uh, a longtime Magic player. Uh, and he's my, in fact, he's the answer to one of my favorite Magic trivia questions. So the trivia question is, who are the very first two people to ever play a game of Magic? Now, most people can guess Richard Garfield. That, that's the easy answer. But the other person is Barry. So welcome, Barry. Thank you, Mark. Happy to be here. So let's, let, let, I want to go way, way back. So let, let's talk about your first experience ever with Magic, which was the very first, other than Richard, the very first experience anybody ever had with Magic. So can we tell the story of your very first time playing? Sure. So I met Richard in grad school, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, he was doing math. I was doing computer science. And we met at the Bridge Club and hit it off. We both love games. Uh, Richard, from the beginning, create, he was always into creating games, magic chess, whatever. It was always something interesting. And um, one day after I knew him for, I guess, a year, year and a half, he, he came up to me. He called me Bit, by the way. So he said, hey, Bit. I created this little little game here. You want to you want to give it a try? So I said sure. So we went into the astronomy lounge, which had no windows, and we played the, the very first games of Magic. Uh, it looked, it was on cardstock. It looked, you know, roughly like it does today, with uh, mana costs on the upper right and a title and 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 land and creatures. Uh, it was 120 cards. You just shuffled it, split in half, and we just started playing. And from the very first game, I was hooked, and it was amazing. We played and played and played. I thought it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I thought it was 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, you know, maybe, maybe we should go home, even if it's Sunday. So we, we called it a day, and it turned out it was 9 in the morning. It was just we, we had played for 12 hours. And, um, yeah, that was the first experience. Uh, and it, it was so much fun, and uh, immediately – next few days uh we got a bunch of his friends uh, our friends together and started playtesting and it was about 10 of us playtesting then 15 then 20 then closer to 30 across philadelphia uh until 1993 when he went out to wizards of the coast and you all know the rest <laughs> okay so i, I want to get in like what was it like playtesting so like what exactly how did you play test what, what were you given what, what did you have so the, per the first deck, again, was 120 cards. So immediately we went to, you know, the, the, the printer room. <laughs> uh, he, he had cardstock. We, we put uh, printed cards from the computer onto cardstock. We co copied it, you know. Um, the, I, I believe the very first play test sets contained uh, two of each rare, um, something like 13 of each uncommon, and maybe 40. 45 of each common. Uh, and he, he just basically split it up, you know, randomly among all of the playtesters. So it was a very closed environment. Um, you, you know, you knew that there were two of, uh, if it was rare, there were only two of them. And so if you really wanted to go, we, we would trade for trade for them. Um, we would play for ante the first couple of years, everything was for anti, so you'd anti your top card and then play, and, you know, you could lose a land or you could gain a dragon. <laughs> Usually I'm the one who gained the dragon, but uh, I was just lucky. So, um, and it was very interesting, uh, the, the whole playtest environment, because it was almost like a little stock market. You know, there were cards that were obviously powerful, and it took a lot to trade for those. 
lands were worth next to nothing, you know, especially planes. <laughs> They're a little stronger now, but people didn't like playing. Everybody wanted to play a red blue power deck at the beginning. Um, but there was plenty of other things that you could do. Uh, and I just remember that every once in a while, a, a card, somebody would figure out an interesting use for a card that nobody else had considered. And all of a sudden, its value would skyrocket, right? So that's that's why I say like a stock market. And, um, you know, I remember uh, I always went to Richard and said, you know, I'm going to try to build a deck that's all artifacts or a deck that's five colors or a deck that's like this or that. Um, and a lot of these decks are actually in, in the credits for me in the very first booklets. I don't know if it's still there. Mm -hmm. Is it? Um, and he would say, no, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. Like, how can you build a deck of all artifacts? So I did. I went and got uh, seven of the 10 uh, moxes, um, a bunch of soul rings, and just artifact creatures. And I could pretty much play my hand on the first turn and attack and attack and kill you before you could do anything. So he, he was impressed by that. Um, when I traded for the uh, one of the mock the Mox Emerald, I traded with Howard <laughs> Kallenberg, and he said, "Well, basically that's just a forest. So why don't you give me a forest, and I'll give you my Mox Emerald." And so that was that was the first Mox trade. Um, they're a little bit more powerful than that now. So um, yeah, and and one time uh, this guy, oh, I forget his name. He had a he had a, a JMD tome or something like that that I really wanted. So I went I, I went to him. Uh, oh, Ethan! I think I think his name was Ethan. I could be wrong. Sorry, but I went up to him and I said, uh, you know, I'd like to trade for that. And Richard was around, and he 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 saw what I was doing. I said, you know, I'll give you a serpent for it because you know I had a lot of serpents. I was the serpent king, and um, Richard said, oh, don't do that. That's terrible. I'll give you a serpent. He said, well, you're not offering any more. No, Richard said, I'll give you a serpent just to talk to me <laughs> and make a trade with me instead. So I basically took Richard aside outside of the room. I said, what, what, do, you, what do you want for me to leave? To, to leave? <laughs> so he said, you know, give me this or that. I, so I gave him a card. He walked away. And then I went and traded for the, for the tome. But, uh, you know, Richard, Richard tried to keep me honest, I guess. Yeah, one of the things that's really interesting about the early playtesting was, A, it was all constructed. Like, limited came later, right? Did you guys test any limited in uh, the early days? Limited? Like, drafting. Like, like, like drafting or any, any sort of thing. Like, mostly you were just playing oh, oh. constructed where you just had cards and you built on the cards you had, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you, you whatever cards you had, you'd, you'd build a deck, you'd trade for other cards, or you'd win them in, in ante. And you and at the time, it was a forty card deck. So you'd build your you'd build your forty card deck and play, and you know keep changing it. Uh, at first, that's all we did. Uh, after I don't remember exactly when, but it could have been several months, maybe a year after we started playtesting. Uh, I, I actually came up with uh, the the draft where everybody opens a booster, picks one, and then passes it to the, passes it to the left, and picks one and passes it to the left, and so on. And that's, then you have 15 cards. Then you do it again, passes to the right. You do it again, passes to the left. And I forgot what that's called now. But it's called I booster draft. So you're the creator of booster draft. Yes, very I am the I am the creator of booster draft. Um, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, we we start we played some team games. Uh, and then somebody, not me, uh, came up with the idea of a league. So we took a bunch of playtest cards, stamped some unicorn or something on the back, 
so we would know that these cards are for the uh, for the for the league draft league and, and and honestly i don't remember how that works but there were there were there were these other versions uh we played something called a melee i think it was called a melee uh where there were like 16 of us or 17 or 18 everybody sat in a circle and every second or third person i forget which had a little token so it was their turn and you could only attack the person on your left or right i think yeah, it's called Grand like Melee. The format's called Grand Melee. It's, okay, it, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, that was something that happened probably at the very end, like right before everything was published. Uh, that, that was fun. So one of the things that's very interesting, that one of the things that Richard was very interested in how you guys do was, like trading was a big part of early magic, of, of playtesting, right? Like a yeah. lot of it was, you'd figure out a deck you wanted, then you had to go to figure out how to get the cards that you needed to build that. Exactly. And... Okay, so you built an artifact deck. You said you built... Did you build your five-color deck? Did that work? Uh, yeah, I built a five-color deck. Um, I think I used dual lands and moxes. You know, once once I traded for the moxes, I kept them. Yeah. <laughs> I knew how powerful <laughs> they were. And I just basically threw in um, three of each... Like, three spells from each color and three powerful creatures from each color. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on, on my second turn, I'm getting a dragon in play. And on my third turn, I'm getting a vampire and an, and a, an angel. I mean, it was a powerful deck. Of course, I was using some of the Power 9 cards mm-hmm. uh, since, you know, I, I recognized them very early. Um, not all of them, but many of them and, and traded for them. Did you have a uh, Lotus? Did you have uh, either of the two Black Lotuses? I don't remember. Um, yeah, I, I really don't remember if I had if I had a Black Lotus in there. I, seven of the ten boxes is quite impressive, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was seven boxes and eight soul rings. Wow, that's that's very impressive. So, <laughs> yeah, you, so, I mean, I did, that's basically all I needed, right? Like, every yeah. every hand I got, I could pretty much play almost all, my whole hand on the first turn or two. So, um, so obviously, we talked a little bit about sort of the nature of how you guys played, but, like, what... So you started with fifteen people and it, it grew over time. Uh, yeah. What, when when did this happen? Like when you talk about playing the first game of Magic, what year was that? Do you have a rough idea? I believe it was nineteen ninety one. Okay, about two years before the game came out. Yeah, that uh, ninety percent sure of that. And yeah, so at first it was a small group uh, of mostly of, of people that Richard knew. Um, in the math and physics departments. And then later on, we, uh, it grew to my other gaming friends from, um, from the bridge club, uh, Bill Rose and Charlie Catino, whose name they never spelled right. And, and Don and, uh, you and know, Joel Mick of, and, yeah, yeah. 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 So then, and then, and then t- later on, I added about half a dozen people from the, computer science department so uh, like scaff and jim were they early or were they later they were they were early they were early okay so just to the audience real quick for the audience scaff and jim and dave and chris were the people that east coast playtesters that would make ice age uh bill and joel and charlie and howard and don they were the group that made um mirage for example right so here's a good segue so uh the game hasn't yet come out but richard's like well one day you know at some point in the future we might need more sets and so he had different people work on different sets. So, you know, Scaff and Jim and company made Ice Age. Bill and Joel and company made um, Mirage and Visions. So let's talk about what you did because you made your own set. So let's talk about yeah, Spectral so, Chaos. So, 
Right. So when I saw other people were making their own uh, sets, I thought, well, that'll be fun. Uh, you know, I had a lot of ideas. Uh, I, I, for example, I talked to Richard about the fact that there was no multicolor in the game. Uh, I, I think there was exactly one multicolor card in the initial release. I forget which one it is, but... Um, um, there was a card that had an activation in another color, but there was no multicolor yeah. cards in the first set. Right, well, that, so, so... Said Troll had a red card with a black activation. That was in Alpha. Yeah, okay, so my thought was uh, that I, I wanted to make multicolor work, so I wanted to come up with all kinds of ideas that would make it, you know, make your deck better if you had more colors, punish you if you didn't have enough colors with certain cards. And then also, I like the idea of breaking the rules wherever possible. And so that's the chaos part. And um, in the end, I'm, it, it, magic is made on three sheets of 11 by 11. So that's... Uh, uh, what three hundred sixty three cards Min minus yeah. a few because a lot of them are lands. And then this is um, early, this is early early Magic did that. That our, our our card sets are a little different now, but yeah, way back in okay. the beginning, yeah, that, yeah. that's how they so, were made. So so I had so many ideas at the time that I I added a fourth set, so I added one hundred twenty one more cards. So there was very rares. <laughs> um, and and Magic would go on later to have Mythic rare. So <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. So uh, and and you know I I went to the rule book. I just tried to think of crazy interesting things um cards that end the game in a tie <laughs> uh five color cards spectral chaos in fact was two of each of the five colors so it cost 10 to cast and when you cast it you put everything down get up switch seats with your opponent and now you're playing his deck and you're still trying to win yeah so <laughs> um you know uh, it was just a lot of fun you know, every, everything I ever wanted to see, they put in, uh, I put in, and um, a lot of the ideas for Multicolor have been published. You know, they, mm -hmm. they, they did buy the set for me, um, not for very much, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> and uh, well, over the years, I mean, they're still print, they're still on occasion, I see now that they're printing some idea that I had come up with at the time. Uh, I mean, I'm not not trying to boast here or anything, but I had a lot of help. We came up with so many different ideas. Yeah, um, let, let me pick up the story real quickly from the wizard side, because uh, I, I was involved on the other side of this. So it, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, so what happened was uh, Bill Rose and Mike Elliott and I were doing a set called Invasion. And mm -hmm. where Invasion started was, we knew we wanted to do a multicolor set. We wanted to do, actually, a multicolor block is what we were interested in is, you know, the whole block, all three sets were going to be multicolored. And Bill was well aware that Spectral Chaos existed. So the very first thing we did on the very first day was we looked at Spectral Chaos. Um, and our favorite thing from Spectral Chaos was what we called the berry mechanic. So uh, but now the audience will know it's Domain. It's, what, it's now known in the game. So let's talk a little bit about how Domain came to be. How, how did that come about? Uh, is that the one where... Uh, but being... You count how many different um, basic yeah, land types yeah. you have. Yeah. Right. So, again, I tried to come up with as many ways as I could to encourage multicolor use. So one thing that was sort of, I, I don't know how it popped into my head, but it seems obvious now, looking back, uh, I thought, okay, well, let's create X spells where X is a number of different types of land you, you control. So 
you know, it, like it might be like a lightning bolt type of thing where instead of it doing three damage, it does X damage for the same cost, uh, where X is the number of basic land types you have in play. So if you have one of each in play, you're doing a five point lightning bolt with, you know, that costs one uh, and, and so on. Uh, yeah, that was, so that was our, um, so I know invasion, that was the one mechanic that we used from Spectral Chaos. And there were a lot of individual cards we used, a lot of concepts we used. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, if you, if, for the audience, if they enjoy invasion, you know, a lot of the inspiration for a lot of stuff in it came from Spectral Chaos. That, that's kind of where Spectral Chaos, some of it, you know, saw, saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. So here's you, the. Oh, go ahead. If you if, if you if you want to see what Spectral Chaos looks like, uh, there, some of a couple of fans have put up web websites. So okay, if so you start, if anybody wants to do a search, they'll, they could they'll find Spectral Chaos. Okay, so if you search for Spectral Chaos, there's fans that have. So can you do you have a, a couple cards in front of you? Can you can you read me a card? Uh, sure. So while you're looking, real quickly, let me just finish the story, and then you can give you a little chance to look. Um, so one of the things that's really interesting is when we first used Domain, um, we, we referred to it as the Berry Mechanic, and it inspired something we called Berry's Land. I don't know whether you had Berry's Land or we just named it after you because it worked with the Domain Mechanic, um, uh -huh. but the idea of a six basic land type that would make your uh, Domain spells go from five to six... Um, and we, we've never quite made the card. We've made things that are similar, but not exactly the six land type. But that, um, if people ever know about Barry's land or Barry's mechanic, that this is the Barry for the people like, where does that name come from? Why did we call it that? This is the Barry behind Barry's land or uh, the Barry mechanic. Oh, okay. okay. So did, did you find a card or two? Oh, uh, yeah. Here's one of my favorites. Uh, Screaming Mimi's. <laughs> one black green at the beginning of your upkeep. Screaming Mimi steals one damage to each creature and each player. A lot of times, I thought of a concept, a name, like mm -hmm. a t uh, for a card, and then I came up with what I thought the card should be, and that's what Screaming Mimi's is. Uh, there's also a Screeching Mimi's, which is rare, and it does uh, it costs uh, like five or six to put into play, and it does three damage to everything. So. Um, that's just one of my favorites. Yeah, the other thing, uh, real quickly, historically, just for the audience to understand, um, like, one of the things that's really interesting, like, I went to film school, and you'll watch a movie from way back when, and it seems very mundane in the sense that, oh, it just seems like a boring movie, you know, it just seems like, a, but the movie did things for the first time you've never done before. Like, I remember watching The Great Train Robbery, and, like, we're like, what's so special about this? And the, and the teacher was like, well, this is the first time they bounced back and forth between two locations, and it was the same place. Like, they invented that. Um, and the thing that's really important to understand here is multicolor cards weren't a thing. When you made this, there was no such thing as a multicolor card. Legends right. would come along later, but Legends was designed later. Legends, you designed this before Legends got designed. Yeah, and Legends did not really stay true to the colors. They just as far as I can tell, randomly pick three colors for, for different things. Um, when I designed this, I was very, very careful to um, stay true to the colors. So black would do what black does. If it's black and red, it would somehow combine those two things. Um, and then a big part of the set, though, was the chaos part. Any Anytime you had two or more opposite colors in, in a in the casting cost of a spell, like if it was a red-blue card, mm -hmm. it would necessarily be chaotic. And it would say on it, chaotic enchantment or something. And then there was a whole group of cards that would affect chaotic cards, like destroy target chaotic card or 
something along those lines. Um, and it, it was, it, so it, it crossed over lots of different card types, I assume. Yeah, yeah. It, it, every, every combination was in there. Uh, every combination of one, two, or three colors was in there, and there were a, a few fives. Okay, so you had all the twos, all the threes, and five. Yes, yes. That, that is chaos. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I just happen I, I happened to find some other cards here that are kind of fun. Okay, but, let's hear. I mean, they're not all you know. They're not all multicolor. So, for yeah. example, Black Widow is four black, black, black. It's an eight-eight creature, but any damage done to it, you put a put a minus one, minus one counter on it. So it starts out as an eight-eight creature for seven but it gets smaller as it's damaged. So if you block it with a 5-5, five five, then now it's only a 3-3 three three creature. And it's quite possible when you made that card, there wasn't such a thing as a minus one, minus one counter, right? I don't know, Alpha, for example, had minus one, minus one counter. They had plus one, plus one counters. Oh, oh. Empires. <laughs> oh, Fallen Empires was the first one to minus one, minus one, okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I had uh, plus one, minus ones, minus one, plus ones, whatever combination I could come up with. Yeah, early early magic had. I mean, when you got into the dark and fallen empire stuff, there started being a lot more combination of different counters. Um, but that's one of the fun things of looking back is the idea that you made this like magic came out in nineteen ninety three, and you probably made this in ninety two. When did you start making spectral chaos? Yeah, like so I started in ninety two. I, I I was still putting the final finishing touches on it, um, like the fourth version when magic came out. So there were you did, went through four different versions. How many versions did you go through with Spectral Chaos? Yeah, four different versions. And the the finished product was how many cards? Uh, four hundred eighty four cards, minus a little bit because of the number of lands on the common sheet. Sure. So I don't know, probably about four hundred fifty cards. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, as somebody who was behind the scenes, who obviously played Magic for two years. I just want to talk a little bit about seeing it actually come out. Like, what, what, so, so, uh, what was your sort of vantage point of seeing Magic become what it became? Like, were you at? Did you go to Gen Con? Uh, yeah, I went. I went to the first couple of, of conferences. Um, my name tag said Richard Garfield's personal bodyguard, <laughs> and um, I tell you, I had the opportunity to invest in it. And I, you know, being a graduate student, I didn't have any money, so I didn't. And if I if I did, I would have been a millionaire. Um, and it just it really took off. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you were part of the taking off period, and and all their predictions at the beginning, like um, when they thought they were going to print and sell their millionth card, they were actually selling their billionth card. Yeah, it just it just skyrocketed. As it should, you know, it, it's a it's an amazing game, and it's very well deserved. You know, so you, you see you see people make a lot of money because they're lucky. Richard didn't get lucky. He's he, he created an amazing amazing game, and you know, I'm so, so happy that it did what it did. Is there a moment? I mean, obviously, when you first started playing it, you recognize how great the game was. But can yeah. you remember a moment where you're like, oh, this is going to be a giant success? Where like you realize. That, that, that the world was going to recognize what you recognized as how good a game it was. I knew it was a fantastic game as we were playtesting it. I had no idea it was going to take off the way it did until after it came out. Because, again, if, if I did, I would have, I would have found the $1,000 to invest, you know? Um, 
So, yeah, it just. But what I'm saying is, I'm I'm looking for the story. Maybe it's at Gen Con. Like, can you remember where, like, you first realized how big it was going to be? I mean, do you have some idea of that? Or, or no, like it just you never really maybe, got the scope of it till it happened. Maybe, yeah, I I, I didn't. Uh, I mean, the where where I saw that people were actually going to be making money on this was when Legends came out, mm-hmm. and you know, like the as as an original shareholder, um, mm-hmm. I didn't buy any stock, but Richard gave the playtesters a little bit. And um, so since we were shareholders, we were get we got five bo- boxes of product for the first, I don't know, eight, eight, nine, ten sets that came out. They stopped doing that eventually. But uh, I remember Legends came out and everybody wanted the Legends boxes because they could turn around and sell them for seven, eight, nine hundred dollars. And I think that was the first time I saw, OK, this this is going to make a lot of money. You know, this is going to be just so big but I, I unfortunately i didn't i didn't see it before then you know even when i went into the game uh, one of the local game stores and i saw you know they had one box of it and i and i bought like five or six decks you know i i even even at that point i had no idea i i just didn't i don't think anybody did yeah yeah i mean, i the it's funny the um we there's a documentary that's being shot and um the the clip of me that they put in the little trailer uh, for the documentary, uh, I was very excited because the very first time I played it, it just I I called my dad and I'm like, Dad, mm-hmm. this is it, this is the next big thing, this is the next Dungeons and Dragons is what I said to him, and I was just yeah. really 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 excited and I, I got the scope of it really early, um, and it was it's almost hard though I've, I've talked with richard a lot about sort of like no one makes a game that ends up being magic in, in the sense of like you no one understands that scope you know like i know one of the issues is for example when you were playtesting uh do you remember ancestral recall being common do you remember that uh oh it was common <laughs> no, yeah originally the boons were all common uh and then quick very very quickly richard figured out it shouldn't be common and i think he moved it up to rare um, but I believe there was like a point in time very, very early where they were all common. Uh, and then he just moved it. Cause obviously like everything yeah. else is common. All the other ones are common, but although he, yeah. he, he did not like, he didn't like the idea of taking a card that was too powerful mm-hmm. or very powerful and just making it rare because when the game came out, you know, then, then basically if you were rich enough to go out and buy enough boxes, you would get all of these cards. But the, the people who could only afford to buy a little bit weren't going to do as well. So he, he tried to avoid that. And he, tried, and he tried, he really, we all did. Like we, we tried to balance the cards rather than say, okay, well, this is super powerful. Let's just make it rare. Yeah, I think that Ancestral Recall's problem was it was locked into a cost because yeah. the whole cycle were one mana and they did three things. Like there, there wasn't a lot of flexibility. It's not the kind of card you can easily recost because it's, it's sort of tied to its cost. I think that's the, the uniquely in, in, in its case for that. Yeah, and he also, you know, he also uh, went by the philosophy of life isn't fair. <laughs> so <laughs> if some people, you know, if you if somebody gets a really powerful card, they get a really powerful card. Um, and as it turns out, that probably helped to have magic take off the way it did because people would get these really cool cards and they'd be so excited and they'd go out and buy more decks because so they could find other really cool cards, you know. Uh, so even though we tried to balance things, if it wasn't p- perfectly balanced, that was okay. And, and another thing for the the audience to remember, uh, 
Richard made the game assuming it was a normal game. So people would, you know, go buy a couple decks and a couple packs. Like, they would buy a normal thing that you would buy for a normal game. And, hey, in that mix, if everybody playing has, you know, three starters and three boosters, just your little metagame, hey, maybe there's one Ancestral Recall in the metagame. Maybe one person has one of them. You know, it the having powerful cards is much less problematic when within the system there's not a lot of them. But... It was hard to anticipate how big the game would become where, right, people... Right. Like, it's funny, you talk about how you went out it's and collected not... all the moxes to build your very first deck. The idea that yeah. someone could make a deck well, full of moxes is, you know, very hard to do uh, in the scope of what Richard originally imagined, right? Right. So... Um, and and I was just going to say, oh, the, the, the whole stock market thing that I mentioned at the beginning, also... You know, even after the game came out, there were still cards that people figured out some clever way to play. Yeah, like like Channel Fireball, yeah. right? You, nobody in playtest. I don't even think anybody used Channel yeah. much, because, or if they did, it would be to cast something small. But I mean, that's that's brilliant and it's simple. Uh, and then you know, combinations of two and three cards very quickly started to take off and and you know and richard richard liked that you know he he didn't want to design a game so that this is the way you play it you get all the red cards and the blue cards and that's how, and that's how you're going to win he liked the idea uh and, and i think we all did that let's just let's just create interesting cards and let let the audience figure out what to do with them and that's exactly what happened yeah and i think that's one of magic's i mean there's a lot of cool things about the game, but one of the things that really drove the game, I think, early on especially, was, yeah, you, the audience, you figure out how to play this. You have a lot of freedom to play the, the way you want to play. Um, and it's neat to hear about, even in the early playtesting, how many different formats you guys invented before the game even came out. You know, that, mm -hmm. that, that's cool to hear. That, that even at the, at the playtest level, you guys were like, what else can we do? How else could we play that? So that is really, really cool to me. So um, I'm, I'm at my desk here, so I'm almost to work. So uh, any final thoughts or like when you look back at sort of um, at the, the early days of Magic, sort of like what, 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 what is your, I don't know, any memory you haven't shared yet that just sort of a, a fond memory of, of the early days of Magic, the early, early days of Magic? <laughs> I mean, um, almost all of my memories are fond, you know. Uh, it was just, it was just a, such a fun time. You know, um, I mean, that's all I can say. It, 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 I, I enjoyed almost every minute of playtesting and, you know, and then for years after it came out, collecting cards and playing. And then eventually teaching my son, mm -hmm. uh, who's 13, and, you know, and he beats me all the time. So, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just so much fun. Well, it, I, it's, go ahead. Oh, no, so finish, 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 sorry. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic game and it's well well deserved you know like richard just richard just you know hit the jackpot and um created something that's just incredibly good you know it's world, a worldwide phenomenon I, I can't say enough about it well i want to thank you so much for being with here today I, it's it's really really fun to me hearing a lot of the early i mean i've been involved in magic for a long time but you're, you're talking about a time that I was not involved, so it's really cool hearing the, the super early story. So thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, yeah. my pleasure. 
Uh, and to everybody else, uh, I'm at work, so we know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work, so instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thank you for being with us today, Barry. And I'll see all of you next week. Bye-bye.